You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is for you. Welcome back, everybody. We are here we are with our episode. I don't even know what episode it is anymore because we're just doing them so successfully and we're having so much fun. But you are listening to Pet Life Radio Network, and this is Jamie Migdahl, and I am your host for Pets Mean Business. And what we do here on this show is we talk to really cool people who are working in the pet industry, whether they are doing things entrepreneurially, entrepreneurially, or they're doing things innovatively, or they're doing things in the nonprofit rescue sector. They're doing something as it relates to pets, and they're doing something that contributes to the $60 billion industry that we know has been growing over steadily over the last 20 to 40 years. So that's really what the whole thing is about as Pets Mean Business has created. I was really honored when it came as an opportunity to meet because I've been, uh, if you've been listening, you know I've been doing pet industry stuff personally and professionally for over 20 years. And in that 20 years, the thing that's really been the coolest thing that I've been able to experience as a pet industry, I don't know, professional entrepreneur person, what have you, is that everyone that I meet within the pet industry, as it relates to being innovative or entrepreneurial or just really passion driven, everyone is awesome. Most people are awesome. I know that's way too glass half full, but it's true. Everyone's pretty awesome. And um, today's guest is no different than that. And, you know, when I think about who I would want on the show and who I think is going to deliver the most value to you um, as a listener and who I think is doing kind of the most important work as it relates to our companion animals and also as it relates to growing businesses and doing, again, these kind of innovative risk-taking. I think risk-taking is the right word. Our guest today really embodies all of those things. She's uh, someone I've met. Again, I always do full disclosure. Um, Kristen Baller is our guest and I've known Kristen for, I don't know, Kristen, how long have I known you? I think, I think since 2011, 2012, probably. Okay, so since 2011-2012, Kristen is a LCSW, and that is a licensed clinical social worker. And the reason that she's on our show today is not because she's she's a social worker, but you're thinking, well, that's cool that Kristen's a social worker, but what does that have to do with animals? Well, it has everything to do with animals, and we're going to hear all about why Kristen is here today and how she has, I think, more than anyone I've met in the last couple of years especially, but probably beyond that, how she's done the one thing that everyone looks for when they're looking to get into a new industry is how to bring their current skill set and merge it with their passion. And what Kristen's done is she found a way to do that in an incredibly meaningful way. So coming from a social work background and having a love and a passion for animals and wanting to be a part of this giant industry, Kristen's found a way to do so in an incredibly meaningful way. So I think, Kristen, if it's okay with you, I think what we'll do is we're going to... No, I think maybe your bio is so interesting and there's so much to say about you. And I, I really want to make sure that folks are getting the, the massive impact that you're bringing to the industry. So I'm going to do this. How about first is you give out your email and your website so people can get on, get have that information in front of them. And then I'll talk from my vantage about who you are and how incredible you are. Then we'll go to break. So let's first talk about, so why don't you go ahead and give out that information, your website and your contact information. Go for it. Thing. My website is just kristenbuller.com. Um, it's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T, 
K-R-I-S-T-I-N-B-U-L-L-E-R. And my email address is kristenbullard.lcsw at gmail. At gmail dot, no, I'm kidding, of course. Gmail.com. Um, and I know that you're also giving your phone number out because I think that the stuff that you do, probably a phone number is a great piece for people to have yeah, because I think people great. are in crisis sometimes when it comes to the work that yeah. you do. Do you want to give out your phone number? Yeah, my number is 872-216-0255. All right, so now we have that information. So here, I'm going to give a teaser. So, all right, so I'm going to go back, Kristen. I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. Kristen came to, um, I met Kristen, like she said, we met in like 2011-ish. Kristen is a social worker and also rescued a dog. She and her husband were traveling in Asia and in Thailand in particular, correct? Cambodia. Cambodia, sorry. In Cambodia. And you guys found a dog named Buddy in Cambodia. You you were living in Cambodia. Is that correct? Yeah. We were there for about four years and we got him about the last year and a half. He was with us there, so... Okay, so you were living in Cambodia, you met a dog, you fell in love, you, he became, you made him yours, and you returned to the States, and you found what? We found that he has lots of special needs, we could say, a lot of behavior problems that we were not quite prepared with how to deal with or how to best help him and help ourselves with. Which is um, something that we know, uh, I know, and then if, if for those of you listening who work with animals and people, we know is a big issue. So I'm going to leave that there, and you can all start thinking to yourself right now, all right, so there's a social worker who was living in Cambodia who found this dog and then moved back to the States, and now she finds that she's a problem dog. Why is she on Pets Mean Business? Okay, that's a good place to leave this. So let's go to break. For this. <laughs> let's go take a sponsor break. And then, Kristen, when we get back, I'm going to go ahead and then uh, launch into my vantage on you and provide some some background and then people are going to learn all about you and the amazing things that you do and I think walk away from this episode being inspired. I know that every time I talk to you or have an interaction with somebody who's just had an interaction with you, it's some of the most interesting, emotional and meaningful stuff that I've seen come up for people as it relates to pets. So on that note, everybody, Kristen Buller and I will be back after this break. I'm Jamie Migdahl. You're listening to Pets Mean Business on the Pet Life Radio Network. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be right back. Amazing Pet Expos is coming to a city near you. Admission is always free and your pet is welcome. Shopping, adoptions, free nail trims, discounted shots and microchipping, agility, a pet costume contest, and much more. Plus, meet the guys from Animal Planet's hit TV series Tank and Pit Boss online at AmazingPetExpos.com. Bring your pets to the Pet Expo. Hey everybody, this is Tim Link, the host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Got some exciting news for you here today. My audiobook is now available. Wagging Tells, Every Animal Has a Tell is now available in audiobook form through audible.com, amazon.com, and iTunes. It's a collection of 32 conversations I've had with the animals. It's a fun, interesting, heartfelt book that's suitable for all age groups. So everybody pick up a copy of the audiobook, Wagging Tells, Every Animal Has a Tell. You'll be glad you did. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out during the break and coming back and joining me. I'm Jamie Migdahl, your host on Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio Network. And today we're here with my guest. Um, my guest. You're my guest, Kristen. You really are. You're, 
<laughs> like but you're, you're my guest in the truest sense of the word. We're with Kristen Butler today. I'm going to go ahead, like I said before we went to break, I'm going to go ahead and just talk about, just give a brief bio about who you are so we can get some centering around um, around why you are such an important person and, and, and the innovation you're bringing to the industry and also why I am so honored to have you as a guest today. So like I said earlier, Kristen's a licensed clinical social worker, which in that speak is LCSW. And she's here, uh, she has a private practice here in Chicago, which in and of itself is just, you know, cool and great and interesting because social workers are amazing people. But here's the difference about what Kristen's area of expertise is and her, her practice area is she specializes in veterinary social work. That's right. Veterinary social work. That is a thing, everybody. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so in addition to her clinical training as an LCSW, she also came and was educated through a, a nine-month program here in Chicago, which I happen to be a part of called Canine Link Academy. And that was a program that Kristen went through to learn about dog behavior. So from that, that experience as a student at Canine Link, she's now also pursuing a certification in veterinary social work, which is, I think, called VSW, right? VSW. Mm-hmm. CP, and that is a license that she's pursuing from the University of Tennessee. And as a part of that, as a part of that licensing process, she's also going through an externship with uh, Dr. Kelly Ballantyne here, who also in Chicago, a veterinarian who is a veterinary behaviorist, and she's doing it through this really um, prestigious veterinary clinic. It's called the Medical District Veterinary Clinic here in Chicago. And so they're doing research together, focusing on the impact that pet behavior problems have on owners and how to support those owners as they're going through this experience. So what they've done is, as they're putting the research together, they're presenting research to different professional organizations, including the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants, and they're contributing, into, so Kristen's contributing as an author on that article and working with veterinarians. So they understand that this is a problem. It's not just about the pet who's having the behavior problems, but also for the owners. And I believe that that's being published in an article coming up in the Journal of Veterinary Behavior. Is that correct? We actually did a different research project about the veterinary behavior consultation field, and that's one that we've written up that's going to be published. We're still writing up the one on the impact of pet owners. So, so you're working on two. So, so, those, yeah. so those are two separate research projects, or are there yeah. one? Yeah, they're two separate ones. Okay. And all right. our laundry list of all the research that we want to do, we've got two knocked off. So. Okay. And so you're doing your research, but then in addition to the research that you're doing with Dr. Ballantyne, you also have services, true services for pet owners. So you're providing emotional support to pet owners through you're doing support groups and individual counseling, and mm-hmm. you're reaching those folks and you're talking about them um, as being people who are loving and living with special needs pets. Again, mm-hmm. pets, whether you're facing difficult decisions or about end of life decisions. Um, so working and walking through the grief and the loss of pets. Um, you're also, of course, like I mentioned earlier, helping people navigate how those behavior problems of their pet impact their own life. And you're providing support to them and the pets and you're looking about and you work in collaboration with veterinarians and trainers. I mean, the work that Kristen's doing is so meaningful because at the end of the day, everybody, at the end of the day, you live with a pet and that pet has a huge impact on every corner of your life. And if you have a pet that has a behavior problem, and, and my goodness, there are many, many of them, millions and millions of them, you are very 
lonely. It is very scary. And it's also huge risk that you walk around with. And the fact that Kristen identified this as a real problem and is leveraging her background as a social worker and her education as a dog trainer and found a way to bring those two things together in the most meaningful and impressive way is why she's a guest on our show today. I could keep on talking about Kristen's bio and her background and all the things that she's doing, but I think this is probably the time that we just, I stop talking about Kristen and Kristen starts talking about Kristen. (laughs) So I'm shutting up and letting you talk to us and teach us about how it is you do what you do and how you do it. And to that point, will you just really quickly before I turn it over and give you a little bit of time to talk, can you talk about when your next support group is and how they can find, how people can find out information about that support group? Sure. The next group will be on Monday, August 10th in the evening from 7 to 8.30 p.m. And if you look on my website, there'll be information there. And you can just email me to rsvp at kristenbuller.lcsw at gmail.com. And we always have really good conversation. The group was originally an hour long, and we decided that it needed to be a little bit longer because the discussions were always so rich. And I always bring chocolate chip cookies, which is another perk of it all. I mean, that's enough for me to have to go. Uh, <laughs> right? How, how many people typically, I know the group, so how long have you had this support, this particular support group going? When was your first one? How long ago? I think the first one was last September. Okay, so about 10 months or so, nine months. How has that group changed in size? It's pretty fluid. I would say we usually have between about three to seven people come. Um, And I actually have been pretty intentional asking people to RSVP because I think if it gets too big, it kind of changes the dynamic of what it would feel like. I want it to be small enough that everyone has a chance to really share and get the support that they need from the other people in the group. And we have new people come, we have people return. So each group is its own group. You don't have to commit to come to more than one, but you're more welcome to come to as many as you would want to as well. So if people are, um, so for, obviously you're in Chicago. I think we've made that clear. If we had to make that clear, then you're in Chicago. So can you give some help to folks who are listening, who are living in other states, possibly other countries, or maybe uh, maybe even other planets? Um, no, I'm kidding about that. That's just humor. Can you talk about where people can find this resource in their own community or what they would do to go about finding someone? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, if you look on the Dinos website, Jessica, who runs that page, is trying to collect that information for support groups. So I know my group's listed there. There's a group out in Portland um, who helped me get my group started. And so I just found someone in Philadelphia who's doing the same thing. So I know that's a place where they're trying to centralize. I'm thinking I'm going to add something to my website as well for people. I had someone from London email me and ask if I could help her start a group out there. So I'm happy to also be a resource for health professionals or tech professionals who want to get a group started. Well, that's a question, actually. Before you go for are these groups being facilitated by other LCSWs, or can they also be facilitated by dog trainers or other veterinary professionals? Well, I've usually heard the most about is it either being facilitated by a mental health professional with a dog trainer or veterinarian co-leading it, or just okay. by a mental health professional. We actually okay. intentionally are doing the one here in Chicago just by me so that so that it doesn't go down the road of talking about behavior training techniques. Mm-hmm. We want to really to focus on the emotional support and the stress and the what people are needing for themselves. And kind of the concern was if there was a pet professional as one of the leaders, would that kind of lead the conversation down the road that we're trying mm-hmm. to keep it really focused on how we're doing? I think and people not about can get a lot of that support for the pet, the support yeah. for themselves. 
has a missing link. Wow, that's really, I mean, that makes, obviously, that makes a lot of sense because obviously when people are having, are struggling with their dog's behavior, they just want solutions sometimes and it's very solution-oriented yeah. and it takes the focus off of, obviously, all of the things that your whole focus, which is worst, people suffer. People really suffer yeah. through these issues. Well, you mentioned a resource that I, I want to just make sure we clarify for folks. You said, will you tell people about, or we talk a little bit about Dino's, Dino's? Yeah. Dinos? Is it Dino's um, or is it Dino's or Dino's? I don't know, actually. That's a good right. question. <laughs> Dogs in need of space. It's a great resource that is for, was started by a woman who, and I read her story. It was just fantastic. She wrote a, one blog entry about, you know, what it's like to have a dog to need space for other dogs. And that just really lit up and went viral. And from that, she's created this resource for all of us where we can get information about if you have a dog who needs space from other dogs, other people, you know, how to ask for that and the stresses of when you're asking for that. And so I would really recommend that to people. I'm trying to see exactly what the website is. I'll look it up, too. Let's see if you can get there first. Dino's. Dino's go to pizza. I think if you're at dogsinneedofspace.com. Dogsinneedofspace.com? Yeah. All right, because Dino's, what I'm getting here, is an Italian restaurant down the street. Yeah, which sounds nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's for after group. That's where you go after group for a piece of pizza and a glass of wine. But um, so it's it's dogsinneedofspace.com. And then obviously, you know, on on the website for Pets Mean Business, we're going to list all the resources that we talk about during the show. So we'll also list Dino's, Dino's on there. And then obviously there's going to be a link to you so people can reach out to you to get that information as well. What do you, in your groups, so let's just talk like an average sided group, let's just call it five, five and a half people. First of all, I assume, I guess it's an assumption, there are no dogs allowed. Yeah, we actually pretty intentionally ask people to leave their little fur balls at home because I think if we have, some people could bring their pets there and their pet would be really appropriate, but a lot of people are coming to the group are coming because they have pets who are reactive to other dogs or reactive to other people and I didn't want them to feel like they're not allowed to bring their dog while someone who has a dog who is, you know, better around people but maybe has separation anxiety can come. What do you Um, think is the reason, like, what would be, at at what point, well, I have two questions, actually. The first question is, How many um, VSWs are there in the country or how many people are studying to get their certification? Is, and is University of Tennessee the only, the only veterinary school offering that right now? They are the only one offering it right now. There's a couple other programs. I know University of Denver has a program, a certificate course, but more geared toward animal-assisted therapy okay. and setting up programs like that. But I think veterinary social work was really coined at University of Tennessee, and they've been the ones that are holding the biannual conferences and that have the certificate course now available for all of us. So how many people are there? I'm not sure how many people. I don't, I'm not sure. I'll have to ask. Dr. Do you think it's like Elizabeth Strand was one that had that? I have to ask her that. Do you think it's more than ten or more than fifty? Like, what would you just guess? I know that pretty. I mean, I, I know would, you can't know exactly, but it's just interesting. I, mean, I would guess it was a pretty good size number. We're on a there's a listserv that's pretty active. I would have the sense that I personally have talked to about five or six other people across the country who are veterinary social workers. So I know them, but it doesn't seem like there's tons and tons of people. It seems like most people who are doing veterinary social work are working within a most often a teaching hospital, a teaching mm-hmm. veterinary hospital. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I found less people who are doing it more as an independent private practice the way I am. This is your business. I mean, let's just let's just yeah. look at that for a yeah. second. So this, this is your business. I think when you first talked about doing this and you were exploring this, was weren't you looking at this, and you'll tell me, 
more as something kind of on a on the side and maybe something even as just more on the volunteer basis but you have really turned this into a career path and a revenue stream for yourself is yeah. that is yeah. that right yeah and i feel like i'm so you know kind of at the beginning stages of that but it's it's exciting to have it moving in that direction did you ever think i mean when you i mean did you ever think that you would end up where you're ending up or where you're going i mean you're really you're carving out a whole new I mean, you are an innovator in a field that I think, based on what I see in the pet industry in terms of career development and, you know, niche activities within the industry. I mean, you're you're carving out something that I think has a huge trajectory and a tremendous capacity for growth. I mean, this is a very, you know, talk about innovator. This is really incredibly innovative to be thinking about the human component of the human-animal bond. We think about that so much as being really just dog-centric. And, you know, you've you've created this business around it being around the people. And I just, God, I just, I, you know, I don't even know what to say about that. It's just, it is, it is mesmerizing, quite honestly, that you have your taking the risk to do this and you're on the cutting edge of, of this type of vantage that I think more pet professionals need to have. So we're going to take another quick break. And then when we come back, I really want to talk about the reality of, and the harsh reality of why this has to be practice. Why does this even have to be around? Like, why do we need veterinary yeah. social workers? I think there's, you know, there's a big conversation to have. And if you're willing to have that with me, I think we should talk about what's happening. So yeah. on that note, you guys can all be on the edge of your seat <laughs> um, and then when Chris and I come back we're going to talk about why this is why this is so prevalent and what the true risks are for dog owners as it relates to behavior problems and why someone like Kristen and why this field of veterinary social work is going to become more and more meaningful and more and more necessary so on that note we'll be back in a couple minutes go hang out with our sponsors for a bit then you can come back and we could talk about dogs and that's why you're here anyway I know that so we'll be back this is Jamie McDowell your host on Pets Mean Business on the Pet Life Radio Network see you in a minute designerpetsweaters.com hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat beautiful couture patterns for your pets including custom-knitted formal wear casual wear yachting and even sports themed many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats top hats and a lot of sparkle each sweater includes leg loops front paw sleeves and leash opening visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today large or small we fit them all designerpetsweaters.com hi i'm dana humphrey also known as the pet lady i travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest hippest and most unique pet products are on the planet bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians groomers trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets the pet lady will be in a city near you showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets cozy comforts and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friends you can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at petladyworld PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
Hey, were you guys on the edge of your seats wondering about what Kristen and I are going to talk about as it relates to dogs who bite people? Because <laughs> let's just face it, that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Now, that is what, don't you think we should talk about that, Kristen? Yeah, absolutely. Let's just talk about like the, let's just like talk about what really happens to people when their dog bites somebody. Like what really happens when they are on the other end of that leash and their beloved mm-hmm. dog who is just, you know, the epicenter of their life and the, and just, they just love this animal so much and this animal has caused harm to somebody. Forget about why, forget about the reasons, fear. Let's just get away from all of the kind of pathology around the dog. Let's talk about what it means if you're that person. What do you see? What do you see as a social worker that drives someone to seek out your help? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, what I've seen with pet owners is both if the dog has had bitten, but also if the dog is reactive, you know, and hear lots of stories about just how people feel a lot of judgment up from other people. They feel so guilty. They feel embarrassed. You know, they feel like it's their fault that their dog did this, you know, and then they're faced just with the all the decisions of what that means, you know, to be caring for a dog that, you know, has shown that it can be dangerous, you know, and I have personal experience with that, you know, our dog as well. And so, you know, I think it can be a really, really isolating place for people to be because oftentimes the response that they get from friends and family might not be the response that they're needing at that moment. You know, they're just kind of in a place where they need to really process what happens and what their options are. And a lot of times, you know, others feel like they can just tell the pet owner, you know, what they should do or what the next step should be. And that really has to come from the person themselves, you know, navigating through those decisions and emotions. That's just like, that's a societal issue that I I think is, I mean, I think this is where we have to look at what's going on kind of in the pop culture sense of owning a dog and what people's expectations are when it comes to having a dog. And, you know, no one goes into dog ownership, as you know, both Mm -hmm. from every level. No one ever walks into this relationship expecting that they're going to be the victim of ridicule or lawsuits or added expense because their dog requires behavioral training and support from outside professionals. No one ever expects that asks for that or wants. And I, w- I always say, you know, as a dog trainer, I always tell people who are experiencing these issues that, you know, that it's just not fair. It's just, it is literally, no one deserves that. And that, you know, I know when I say that, I don't ever like, it's not about like making the dog out to be bad or it's the dog's fault. But the reality is that I don't know any pet owner in the whole world in the 100,000 pet owners that I've worked with over 20 years. I can't think of one person truly, and I'm curious to hear what you're going to say about this, who deserves a, I'll use the word bad dog. Please, everybody, I say that as a professional. When I say bad dog, and Kristen, I know you know me, so I know you know exactly what I'm saying. When I say bad dog, I mean inappropriate. And that could be and that extends to any and all inappropriate behaviors. My dog is bad sometimes. I've got collies. They're like, you know, rugs. But listen, they steal off the counter and they bark and they annoy the cat sometimes and they're bad sometimes. But, you know, there's this other kind of bad that we're talking about right now. And so is that part of what you see when people come to you or when you're referred to somebody or someone's referred to you rather, that they just feel like they were blindsided by this experience of having this, quote, bad dog? Yeah, when we did, we did a research project where we asked um, owners to fill out a survey and describe both what the behavior issue was, but also their experience of it. And that came up a lot, you know, with people who, especially people who had had dogs their whole life, and then they got this dog that either had, you know, reactivity or aggression issues or separation anxiety also causes a great deal of distress for a pet owner. And I you think mentioned- about behavior problems, we usually think of aggression and fighting, but a lot of times, 
yeah. or came through in the research was the stress of when you have a dog with separation anxiety and how that impacts your day-to-day life as well was really difficult. And separation anxiety. Do, you know? Wait, let's just let's just quickly define what separation anxiety is because I feel like that's also and this also speaks to kind of the misunderstanding of the public around mm-hmm. dogs and dog problems. But separation anxiety, from a clinical perspective, from a pathology perspective, is a dog who, when left alone, engages in incredibly destructive behavior, whether that's property destruction, inappropriate elimination, so peeing and pooping, and also, and you know this, it gets as bad as self mutilating behavior. So where they're actually mm-hmm. damaging themselves physically and. And, yeah. and so separation anxiety, you know, I think this is just like, let's just do like a sidebar, Kristen, a dog training sidebar real quick. <laughs> Folks, separation <laughs> anxiety is not your dog being upset when you leave, okay? Like, that is not separation anxiety. That's just a dog who likes to be with their people and gets kind of pissed right. off when you leave. And like, maybe they'll bark a little bit, or maybe they'll chew up a roll of toilet paper, or maybe they'll destroy one of their toys or eat your shoe. That ain't separation anxiety. Right. Kristen's talking about dogs who literally hurt themselves, and people come home yeah. to blood. I mean, like, blood yeah. everywhere. So, okay, I just want to make sure that that was a good, that's what we would call a teachable moment. So, all right, so you were doing all of this, um, all of this research, and you found that um, people talking about, not just about the aggression, but also just about this, this stress Mm -hmm. of not being able to leave their dogs alone. So what did you learn then when people would, would communicate that they had these dogs, that this is not what they signed up for? What comes from that next? Like what other, talk a little bit more about that. I mean, what we found was that these behavior problems, they impact people's day-to-day lives. So both the, the stress around managing, you know, the dog or, and everyone that responded to our survey was dog owners, even though we did open it up to any kind of pet, which is just interesting in it. But a lot of the stress was around the management. So everything I need to, you know, do if people are over at my house or, you know, before I leave the house, you know, if I have a dog separation anxiety, I have to try to leave in a way that will leave the dog to be as least anxious as possible. If I forget my phone, I'm not going back inside because that will upset mm-hmm. the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the stress of thinking about all those things, so both mm-hmm. the doing the management but the planning for it and also how it impacted people's relationships, you know, both with other people in their household and with their family and friends who either were really understanding and supportive or, you know, who weren't in the struggles with that. What's an example of that? I think, I mean, these are, all, what, like, can you give us like an example of someone who had a relationship destroyed or, you know, a relationship mm-hmm. that became really tenuous because of a dog? Yeah. Well, one person talked about, she had a dog who had both separation anxiety, but also aggression towards people. So for her, her world just got really, really small. So she talked about not being able to go out with her friends because she couldn't leave her dog alone. And so mm-hmm. that started to affect, you know, the friendships and how connected she felt. But she also couldn't have people over because she would, mm-hmm. it would be so much work for her to manage the dog. And people were scared to come over. And so she just got to this point. And the quote from her, the research was just, I have no social life at all. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. at home with my dog all the time, you know, and how draining that was for her. So what did she do? I mean, what, I mean, are you still working with her? Is she still, is she still someone that you're in touch with, I guess, is the- she was someone who eventually did decide that euthanasia was going to be what was going to be best for the quality of life for her pet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I really do just want to create a space for those stories to be heard because, you know, what we're hearing is when people make a decision about rehoming or euthanasia because of the severe behavior problem, mm-hmm. they get a lot of judgment from other people and there's not a lot of support. And I, what came through in the stories is just nobody comes to that decision lightly and everyone loves their pet. You know, it wasn't that there was because I thought that we would find people got to that point because something had happened that had broke the bond with their pet right. and they were 
And that is not what we found. That We found that that decision was such a struggle because they still did feel that bond with their pet and they love their pet. But when it came down to being able to frame it more as a quality of life issue, both for the pet and for them, that's where they were making that decision from. And it wasn't easy and they still don't tell people about it because they feel like people won't understand. And will, they don't. Uh, they they don't, by the way. It. Yeah, because yeah. you know what, people, well, I would say people, yeah, there's a ton of silence around uh, making or euthanasia decisions because of behavior problems. But the reality is that there are, you know, over four, 4.6 million reported dog bites a year in this country. And so let's just take oh. a second, you know, and think about that number and the yeah. impact that that number has on um, insurance claims, people losing their homes, people mm-hmm. being dropped from their homeowner's insurance, people hey. having, I mean, not to mention the physical and the emotional scarring that happens from those 4.6 million. And again, those are like this, these are reported dog bites. Those are not total dog bites. Those are dog bites that right. ended up in the emergency room. That's because yeah. in, the, in the medical setting, in the medical world, you have a, I can't think of the word right now, but there's a word where a doctor has to, is mandated that they report mandated, the dog bite yeah. to the, right? So it's mandated they report the doctor to the authority. So, so I think, I don't know, my vantage on this, and I'm just going to throw this out there. This is not coming from anywhere but my butt, but I would say that, um, you know, what, 20 million dog bites a year? Maybe that's for every dog bite that's reported. Maybe there are three or four others that are not because they were mild or the people were too afraid to go to the hospital and they did treatment at home or what have you. So dogs bite. And when they bite, you know, there's real damage that's caused way beyond just a, a scar or a um, yeah. or the, the need for some antibiotics. And, right. you know, I don't, Kristen, I don't know if in all of the years that you've known me, I don't know if you know the story for me and my, my experience with this. When I was in school in... Um, in Arizona, I was attending a dog training, a six-month dog training program down in Southern Arizona. As part of our training, we would have to go to the shelter every day. Uh, it was in Sierra Vista, Arizona. For those of you who know where Sierra Vista is, it's a little small area just south of Tucson, right by the border. Anyhow, so we would go to the Sierra Vista local municipal animal shelter, and we would train dogs there as part of our hands-on component of the curriculum. And there was a dog, and I'd always been a fan. I brought my two dogs down to Arizona, Sam and Liddy at the time. They drove down, and my parrot, we drove down to Arizona. We lived in an apartment. We hung out. And I found this dog that was given to me as my training dog for the week. And his name, I named him Jake. Okay, so there's the giveaway. I adopted him. And he was this border collie, beautiful, gorgeous border collie, which is kind of every dog trainer's, you know, kind of quote unquote dream dog, right? Because a border collie does cool training stuff and has cool capabilities. Mm So, right. So I adopt this dog, Jake, and he's lovely. And we spend, now I have three dogs in my studio apartment in Sierra Vista. And we, we get in my Jeep Wrangler and we, you know, after program is over and we drive back to Chicago and I bring him home. And I mean, you know, so you can picture how insane this is. And I come home to Chicago, it's New Year's Day and I have a friend come over. It's New Year's Day. And I just returned from being in Arizona for, I don't know, I think I was gone for eight or nine months at that point. And my friend Kelly walks in and Jake goes and tries biting her face. And I was like, oh, you know, and here I am as a dog trainer. I'm like, oh, I'm sure it's just because he just had a long trip and because this, right, completely in denial about what I'd already seen in him, well, what I'd already been seeing in him, but now it's just in front of my face. So I put him on some medication and I I go to uh, Dr. Sedone and we put my vet and I put him on Prozac and, and I see all of this behavior coming more and more, becoming more and more prevalent. And I see him, you know, he's tried to bite me a couple of times. 
times and I, I'm now afraid of people coming over and I see this and I see this and I'm working with him and we're training and we're seeing, I mean, we're doing everything, right? Because this is my life. This is my, this is my career, right? To be able to fix yeah. this dog. And yeah. so fast forward that next summer, I was at uh, a park playing with him and he was getting better. And I felt like the work I was doing was really helping. I, everyone was kind of giving me compliments on how much he had been doing better and how my training and the medication and the combination of those things and environment and management were all having this great impact. And I was, you know, patting myself on the back and I was thinking I just really saved this dog twice, right? Once from the shelter and then once from, you know, maybe having to give him away or euthanize him once we got back. And so here we are at the park and I was, he was chasing the ball. I had my other dogs there and I had uh, another friend of mine there with her dog and we were all having a great time, beautiful day in Humboldt Park here in Chicago. And I throw the ball and I see Jake and I watch him and I know what's about to happen. And I had him off leash. You know, that's my, my deal. I had him off leash. Um, it was real quiet area and I see him look at the ball and I see him look to the right and I see an old couple and I truly mean old I mean they had to be in their late 70s walking down the path Hispanic couple walking down the path holding hands and I see him look at them and I see him make the decision which was not to go retrieve the ball but to go and attack these people and he did and he started biting the woman and the, and the poor husband was fending him off and pushing him away. And of course, I'm over there grabbing him and, and it was terrible and it was so upsetting. And I really rarely tell the story. And, and from that, that moment after we were able to get him away from these folks and make sure that they were okay and take care of them, I went directly to my veterinarian's office and we euthanized him. And... I didn't have him for long. It was a very meaningful relationship. All of the characteristics of the relationship being what they were. As a dog professional, having to come clean with that, that I euthanized a dog for a behavior problem. I really, to this day, I mean, Kristen, I don't, did did you know the story? No, I've never heard that story. Okay, so there you go. And here I am telling it on the radio. Like I'm telling it in a very public forum because I do feel like it is important that people talk about this. And I'm happy to talk about this. I didn't plan on having this conversation by the way I really yeah. didn't but this is the thing right like this is the thing that your that your clients and that your community the community that you're serving this is the stuff that happens every yeah. single day and without you yeah. as a resource what do you do like what do we do how do we help people who are having to make these horrible decisions or having to live with this yeah but, yeah and what you know what I hear a lot is that you know, people can manage it. Oftentimes, you know, the story was that they started to notice the issue, that they were able to manage it, able to manage it, and then something happened, either in their life or with the pet, that then pushed them to the place of needing to make, you know, another set of decisions, whether it was deciding to have children or a move or an incident. And I think, for me, I just really see my role both as working really closely with whatever professionals they're working with. So that's why it's really nice to be working with Dr. Valentine where people are getting the highest level of, you know, veterinary behavior support that they can Mm -hmm. be getting to understand organically what's going on in their dog's brain, you know, and and that part that feels very much to me like the mental health of the animal, you know, Mm -hmm. where I work with mental health people. And then once they have that information, you know, figuring out, so what's it going to mean, you know, for you and your life and your pet's life to implement this treatment plan and, you know, what are the options available to you. But to give them a a non-judgmental place to think through all of that, where they really have the space to assess and discern, you know, what's going to be the best for them and for their pet. 
Well, I think too, I know that we're like going long here. So we're going to definitely start wrapping up because this is probably a show that needs, quite honestly, it probably needs another, it needs another like six hours. But I think we should also talk <laughs> about doing a V2 of this. I think we should have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think I want to talk to you right. off off air about talking, maybe talking about some cases, maybe bringing on someone else that um, you've worked yeah. with and talk about their story. I think that there needs to be some, some really work. Helpful. Yeah, I think there needs to be some more attention towards this because we live in a society of Mm -hmm. dog commercials of dogs running around and fetching sticks and Mm -hmm. everyone's happy and everyone's wagging their tail and everyone's got a golden retriever and and the reality (laughs) is that we know that as professionals that's just not the truth that the shelters are full of dogs dogs are dying every day and people don't know how to look for what they need to look for and they end up getting mismatched and that's a whole other set of the issue that I'm sure you see and hear about every day so this just speaks to of course what I said at the top of our show which is that the work that you're doing you know the work that you're doing and your colleagues are probably as far as companion animals are concerned i mean you are on the very you're you're not even on the front line you're like in front of the front line because you you are saying dog ownership from a completely the nuance of what you see is something that most entrepreneurs and i do believe that you are an entrepreneur by the way and that's a whole other discussion that most pet entrepreneurs don't have any understanding of because they're in the product space or they're in the you know they're in the feel-good space if you will and you're in like the real space of people and pets and you're looking at stuff that no one wants to think about or face and that you're doing it every day and that you're committing your life to it is something that i hope i hope anyone who's listening right now everyone who's listening right now is feeling really inspired by and also will take some time in their heart and your heart take some time in your heart and in your head to think about the fact that all of these all of these animals there's a whole other side because the people who are with these animals are the ones that Kristen and her colleagues are servicing and I just uh, really impressed uh, impressed is stupid there's no there is no word actually <laughs> stupid it's just like a silly thing oh I'm really impressed with you no I'm not really impressed with you I am I and I'm sure most people would agree with this I am totally blown away by the level of commitment you have to people and animals. So on that note, we do, we do sadly have to say goodbye for now, but it is just a for now because I do feel like we want to have you back on and talk more about and get a little bit more involved with some of the clinical conversations. So, um, well, let's just give your website out one more time. So I'm going to do it this time. I think Kristen Buller, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-B-U-L-L-E-R.com. And you can reach Kristen at Kristen Buller, just like it sounds, dot L-C-S-W at gmail.com. You can also call her. She's welcome you to call her because she's that amazing and special of a person at area code 872. What is that? What is 872? One of those um, Google voice numbers. Ah, got it. Okay, got it. So it's a fake. It's on the planet of Google. Two. 872-216-0255 and you can um, reach out to Kristen. We'll have all of Kristen's information as well on the website. And if you need to reach me, I'm here for you as well. Jamie at PetLifeRadio.com You can also visit my website, JamieMigdahl.com or you can visit PetLifeRadio.com and look at all the great programming that uh, this network has to offer you around any possible thing as it relates to pets. I happen to think this is the best show. No, just kidding. There's lots of great shows, but this is a great show. Pets Me Business. And thank you so much for, Kristen, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure an honor truly an honor and thank you listeners for being a part of today's show and for hopefully hopefully there's some good takeaways for you and something you can share with your community and think about the next time you see a dog pulling on leash or kind of acting like a jackass you'll think about the person on the other end of the leash and what they must have to go through and the level of commitment that they
they have towards their animal. So it's a great a great lesson on judgment. So that's really what a show this has been, everybody. What a show. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Kristen, thank you so much. I love you. I love the work that you're doing. Honored honor, honor to know you. Honored to be a part of your life and the work that you do. All right, guys. This is Jamie Migdahl, your host on Pets Mean Business on the Pet Life Radio Network. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.